It's Earth Day. Because of global warming, they're telling us, you gotta go green. But is battling climate change the reason to do it? We'll ask an expert. And we'll bring you a first-hand analysis of Ben Stein's movie, Expelled. No intelligence allowed. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. He's convinced that on global warming, I just don't get it. But lately, with every passing day, the evidence has been catching my attention. I have no doubt, none at all, that we are in the midst of a global warming, or as I prefer to call it, spring. Well, that's uh, deadpan. Uh, Dick Cheney recently speaking to the radio television correspondence dinner in Washington, D.C., saying that his predecessor, Al Gore, isn't too happy with him. We are going to talk about global warming today because today is Earth Day. Of course, some people say it's Earth Week, and Walmart's even saying it's Earth Month, I guess a good way to sell some uh, quote-unquote green products. But Democrats in Congress have been promising a wave of green legislation. Now, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi talked about Earth Day today. She said uh, that she is committed to pressing ahead with this type of environmentally friendly legislation because, quote, the Bible tells us in the Old Testament to minister to the needs of God's creation is an act of worship. Really? She also says that to dishonor these needs is to dishonor the God who made us. So is taking care of the earth a religious act? Uh, Or is it maybe just a practical act? Of course, God does command us to care for the earth, and we should do it. Uh, But as an act of worship, we'll get your calls on that. Give us a call, 800-881-9270. We're also going to ask our guest about it later in the program, Jay Richards. He's from the Acton Institute. Uh, Environmentalist and actor Ed Begley Jr. was talking today. He was actually MC for the Earth Day concert in Washington, D.C. Here's his Earth Day message. Reduce, reuse, and recycle. Reduce your use of fossil fuels. Reduce your energy use at home. Reuse everything that you can. Recycle everything that you can in your life. And if you do those three R's, I think we'll all be better for it. Uh, He also referred to uh, Al Gore as St. Al. Is that Ed Begley doing that or... uh Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney called Al Gore St. Al. So, you know, really, it's this religious method message of uh, Earth Day and uh, the idea that we need to take care of the earth is certainly a biblical idea, but sometimes it moves over into the earth worship 
arena, and that's when it gets dangerous. So we'd love to talk about that with you if you'd like to. Uh, Also, though, uh, Ed Begley had some ideas for what you do to take care of the earth. So what do you do to take care of the earth? How do you... uh, act green in your everyday life. I like to be a green person, but I'm not doing it because of global warming. I'm just not sure that the earth is warming or if that's a huge problem or if we could really do anything about it. So give us a call. Let's talk about Earth Day, 800-881-9270. Of course, Earth Day is also sort of a worldwide phenomenon. Uh, In Manila, Singapore's ambassador, Lim Kang Hua, Uh, This is Singapore's ambassador to the Philippines was talking about it, saying it's up to everyone to care for the environment. We can only do so much, uh, but what's more important is the symbolic effect, is to raise public awareness that the responsibility to keep the environment clean rests with every individual. Also, uh, later in the program, uh, we're going to talk about the movie Expelled. One of our professors here at the Criswell College, Joe Woodell, actually took a group of students on opening day last Friday, and we're going to ask him about it. Uh, Let's hear this from the trailer for the movie Expelled. Like most people, I also have questions, very big questions like, how did we get here? Where are we going? Is there a meaning and purpose in life? Are we, the universe, and everything in it, merely the result of pure, dumb fate and chance? For most of my life, I believe the answers to these questions are fairly straightforward. Everything that exists was created by a loving God. That includes rocks, trees, animals, people, really everything. All along, I've been well aware that other people, very smart people, believe otherwise. Rather than God's handiwork, they see the universe as the product of random particle collisions and chemical reactions. And rather than regard humankind as carrying the spark of the divine, they believe we're nothing more than mud animated by lightning. It was a fascinating movie. I saw it on Saturday, and uh, we will talk about Expelled a little bit later in the program with Dr. Waddell. Uh, Andrew Aber, who is one of our producers here, says that in honor of Earth Day, he's wearing his green pants uh, in memoriam of all the injured Earth uh, because of the people who drive trucks. I don't quite get that, Andrew. <laughs> Uh, Anyway, we are taking your calls. Folks are calling in to talk about Earth Day and what they do to save the Earth. And do they do it because of global warming? Also, I might mention that tomorrow is the Pennsylvania primary. We've been waiting for this primary uh, because it's pivotal for Hillary Clinton. She was talking tough on uh, national security on the campaign trail, campaigning in Pennsylvania. She said Iran would pay a serious price for using nuclear weapons. If Iran were to obtain nuclear weapons and if Iran were to attack Israel with a nuclear weapon uh, we would retaliate all right that's Hillary Clinton we will see what happens tomorrow and report on it uh, tomorrow night we'll do an analysis on the Pennsylvania primary and what happens next in this presidential race but uh, we are taking your calls it's Earth Day and we're celebrating by talking with you about it let's go to Kaufman and talk to Carolyn Carolyn thanks for calling Hi, Tana. Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to say that from everything I have read um, and researched, yes, we are in a global warming, but nothing um, is the result of man man's activities, or it's not man-made. It's it's just one of those cycles. Is that not is that not what uh, 
the majority of scientists are, are finding out? Well, we're getting all kinds of science. In fact, we uh, had a guest yesterday on the program who uh, outlined the opinions of many scientists who are actually global warming deniers, or they do what you do, Carolyn, which is they say it may be warming, but it's not to the degree that's a catastrophe that Al Gore and others are warning us about. And, you know, one of the uh, I, I wouldn't call it a theory. I mean, I think anybody with any brain would know that part of the reason the planet warms is because of the sun and where, what you know, what the sun's doing. So that's one. But we are going to talk a little bit later with uh, Jay Richards about some of the reasons uh, that uh, scientists are skeptical of this whole idea that we can do anything about global warming if it were happening. And also whether or not it's really a bad thing. I mean, is there just a catastrophe ahead because the planet is warming? And that's another big question. But Carolyn, thanks for calling. We appreciate it. Let's go now to Devlin and talk with Cindy. Cindy, thanks for calling. Hi, thanks for taking my call. My comment was about uh, what you had said about Nancy Pelosi and her commitment to push legislation because that's what the Old Testament says. And I just wondered why she wasn't committed to push legislation to save unborn babies because that's what the Bible says. It seems like she just picks and chooses, you know, what she wants to pick out of the Bible to push, but she doesn't take everything out of it. Oh, she's quite biblical when it comes to some liberal agenda to stop global warming. But when it comes to abortion, <laughs> I guess the Bible doesn't mean so much. It's interesting because she did take communion with the Pope with some other um, last week with some other legislators. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were critical that members of Congress who vote pro-abortion, who are avidly pro-abortion, would do that. Uh, and I, I know the Pope has stood against that. Other popes have stood against that uh, in the past. But, Cindy, thank you so much for your call. I appreciate it. It's a very, very good point. Let's go now to Carrollton and speak with Sharon. Sharon, thank you so much for calling. Thank you, Peter, for taking my call. And I wanted to say regarding Earth Day and, uh, you know, the the attitude to going green and uh, global warming. Um, I don't uh, agree with uh, all the people that are trying to put it in panic mode. You know that we, uh, you know that we have to do something immediately. We have to make all these changes. But I do. This is what I do think. Um, you know, God did originally designate man as the stewards of the earth, and as such, it was to be our responsibility to. Uh, take care of it and, uh, you know, to be over it. And uh, it is not necessarily, I, you know, I adamantly reject the idea of earth worship, you know, and uh, I'm not necessarily saying that, you know, uh, taking care of the earth is an act of worship, but I do say that along with us, along with mankind, the earth itself is groaning and singing under the curse. And God will someday do away with it and totally recreate it and renew it. But up until that time, um, one of the acts of worship that we are commanded to do is to be thankful. And that is an act of worship. And I think one of the ways that we can love God and show our appreciation for what he has given us is to not misuse and abuse what he has given us, but to take up that responsibility that was originally ours and, you know, and be good stewards of the earth. But, uh, you know, I don't think all this, you know, panic legislation is is um, exactly appropriate or you know, 
timely. Sharon, some good points. And in that um, taking care of the earth is obedience to God, uh, it is an act of worship. And, you know, you've made the distinction there between worshiping the earth, which we certainly should not do, uh, and the act of gratitude, being grateful for what God gave us, and also just uh, caring for the earth. Now, Genesis 1-1 says we are stewards of the earth uh, as vice regents, uh, and uh, God gives us that position. Uh, But um, there are things we can do to take care of the earth, and I think we should think about those things, common sense ways of being green. And, you know, before the whole global warming hype was even... Well, even back when global cooling was the concern, people were being encouraged to take care of the earth and the environment, and there were other uh, ways in which uh, the hype was being uh, pushed with regard to pesticides and other things. So there seems to be always something and some way in which uh, certain international elites try to get control of governments through an environmental crisis. And I wish we would just get back down to the common sense of saying, we are stewards over the earth. We should care for the earth. God has given that us that stewardship and that responsibility, and here's how we do it. You know, we don't waste things. We do the best we can with regard to not polluting. Uh, we try to increase our technological expertise so that we can develop uh, new ways of polluting less as we live our lives. Uh, but we don't do things uh, that are going to end up being so expensive uh, and not effective and really being uh, very devastating to certain economies around the world and even in our country. And so that's sort of the line that we have to walk on environmentalism, and I think it's good to think about it today on Earth Day. Uh, We can go green, and uh, we ought to be encouraged to do so, Uh, but we don't worship the Earth, we don't worship Gaia, and we don't allow our government, to the extent we can stop our government from doing this, to pass expensive fixes that would end up devastating the economy and hurting the poor. Well, ladies and gentlemen, next up, uh, we are going to talk about the movie Expelled. Criswell's Dr. Joe Waddell will join us. He is Associate Professor of Philosophy. He took a group of students to see the movie on opening day, and we're going to hear from him next on Jerry Johnson Live. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu.
listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. I was viewed as an intellectual terrorist. If you have questioned Darwinism, that's it. Your career is over. I have been told to shut up. Just stand up and question Darwinism. You'll find out how risky that is. There are people out there who want to keep science in a little box where it can't possibly touch God. Religion. I mean, it's just fantasy, basically. Scientists are not allowed to even think thoughts that involve an intelligent creator. We cannot accept to treat intelligent design as an alternative scientific theory. I'm frightened by this, but I'm not going to let it stop me from investigating and from speaking about it. Secular movie critics didn't like it, but lots of other people did. The movie Expelled opened on Friday and uh, made the top ten in the box office receipts. Based on a per-screen average, Expelled actually ranked even better at number five. It brought in approximately 3,000 per screen. Uh, It opened in about 1,000 theaters across the country, and word of mouth may make this movie uh, move up. And uh, that's what is the hope about Expelled uh, from Ben Stein, who produced it, acted in it. I went to see it. I thought it was great. Uh, Dr. Joe Waddell, who is Associate Professor of Philosophy here at the Criswell College, took a group of students on Friday to see the movie, which is a very good thing to do when there's a movie that you want to do well, needs to get to attendance during the first weekend. But there were other reasons for doing so. And Dr. Waddell, thank you so much for joining me. Penna, it's so good to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Why did you think it was important to take these students to the movie? Well, we, we talk about these things in, uh, in the philosophy classes that we teach at Criswell, and uh, they need to know that um, there's another intellectual side to, uh, to counter Darwinism, and I think Ben Stein did a great job of uh, putting, that, putting that piece together. He did, and I thought the movie was going to be like a science class, but it was absolutely riveting. It was so absorbing uh, as he went around to speak with various professors. Uh, What were some of the reactions of your students to this? Well, I think they appreciated that it was understandable. You're right. It was not like a science class. It was entertaining. It was humorous. Uh, Parts of it were scary, um, in a sense, that, that uh, the Secular Academy seems to have so much power. Um, and, and I think they, they felt all of that. We talked about it afterwards uh, at dinner after the movie. Well, that was a good idea. Well, you know, the, really the theme of this movie, uh, folks, if you don't know, is that uh, teachers, professors, and students who question Darwinian evolution are censored in this country, and that the whole idea of intelligent design Uh, even though there are major scientists, and many of them were featured in the movie, who can see that there would have to be a designer. I mean, that's just what their science shows them. These people are just, they're removed from the debate in amazing ways, sometimes being denied tenure, sometimes being fired, uh, and other things happening to them. And Ben Stein uh, interviewed them, and he also interviewed... uh, 
folks who were actually perpetrating the censorship. That's right. And so, um, you know, it was just, it was a great story put together in a very creative way. And Dr. Waddell, I want to play uh, a piece from it and get your reaction. This was one of uh, actually, well, there were a lot of favorite parts, but uh, this is one of my favorite. Let's go to that, Larry. Well, I said to him, uh, now, Doc, this is a law school tactic I used. And I said, now, Dr. Dawkins, do you think there's no chance at all, this I'm paraphrasing, there's no chance at all that there's uh, an intelligence that designed the earth? No, I wouldn't say no chance at all. I said, uh, well, what would you say the percentage is? Is it 1%? He said, yeah, it might be 1%. I said, could it be 3%? He said, yeah, it could be 3%. I said, could it be 49%? He said, no, it couldn't be that. And I said, well, how do you know it's 3% and not 49%? So anyway, so we went on from there, and he said, uh, well, uh, I said, well, if, if there is 1% or 3% chance, how did it happen? He said, well, it could have been people from outer space, cast superior intelligence, came and seeded the earth. And I said, where'd they come from? Uh, he couldn't answer that one, and, and he got kind of annoyed. Okay, this is actually from an interview that Ben Stein did with Dr. Richard Land on his radio program, but I did love this part of the movie, uh, Dr. Waddell, because I thought he really kind of got Richard Dawkins, who is, of course, the atheist and uh, author of The God Delusion. What did you think about that part? Oh, yeah, Dawkins basically uh, pretty much broke down there at the end. He couldn't give an answer. Um, Stein kept pressing him on, uh, you know, how do you jump from non-life to life? And there's a couple of theories out there, scientific theories, but but they just don't hold any water. It's it, they can't answer that, and they can't answer uh, why is there something rather than nothing, uh, and and they really can't answer life's ultimate questions of meaning and purpose and ethics and uh, you know what what sort of uh, thing are we moving towards? What what should we do with our lives? They just can't do that, and they and Dawkins really broke down at that point. Okay, folks, if you went to the movie and want to weigh in on this, we'd love to hear from you, 800-881-9270. Chris Rowe College's Associate Professor of Philosophy, Dr. Joe Waddell, is also with me. And Dr. Waddell, uh, there was another part of this movie uh, that really made the tie between Darwinism and Nazism and fascism, and it was very instructive and very well done, wasn't it? It really was, and uh, what I appreciated was that Stein and and some of the others who endorse intelligent design were very clear, uh, and I don't think the reviewers are going to pick up on this, but they were very clear that Darwinism does not necessarily lead to Hitlerism or Nazism, but it could. And certainly there are people of faith out there who would also endorse these deplorable uh, positions. But the fact is that that eugenics and trying to... um, design some kind of a super race of people. Uh, Hitler saw that as a Darwinian uh, experiment. Hitler really did employ Darwinism as sort of a rationale for what he did. That's right. And also uh, the Planned Parenthood tie was brought in that this whole eugenics movement in the United States is based on Darwinism. That's right. And uh, and just the tie, the, the name of the organization, Planned Parenthood, uh, is telling in itself. We're trying to plan and decide who gets to live and who gets to die. You know, that was the first time that the name Planned Parenthood ever struck me in that light as I was watching that movie. I had never thought of it before. I always thought, well, this is a great name for people who just want to make sure that they don't have, you know, an unwanted child uh, in their own personal life. But it's really a societal 
eugenics idea that was put forward by Margaret Sanger. And uh, so in a sense, you know, a lot of people will ask, Joe, um, well, why does it really matter whether creation is taught in the schools or whether intelligent design is taught or whether kids are just steeped in evolution and Darwinism? And I think this movie helped us understand that even down to the, you know, preschool level, uh, that it is important that uh, students are taught about our origins in a truthful way. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, interestingly, my wife and I, we homeschool our boys, and uh, she does a phenomenal job of just uh, monitoring what they watch. And it's amazing how much on TV, um, public television, other television stations, that Darwinism and evo- macroevolution is really taken for granted. It is the gospel truth. And you know, scientists in the academy really don't want that questioned. Uh, students aren't told, for, like you said, from preschool on. They're just not told that it's merely a theory, that there are problems with it, and that uh, intelligent design is another uh, uh, another way, of probably a better, I think a better way, obviously, to, to look at the situation. We're talking about the movie Expelled. Did you go to the movie? What did you think of it? Uh, we are taking your calls, 800-881-9270. Mike is in Plano. Mike, thanks for calling in. I got a question and a comment. Didn't Darwin, at the end of his life, uh, renounce what he said, basically? And or did he become a Christian? That's a question. Mike, I, I can't answer that. I don't know the writings of Darwin well enough or his biography well enough to answer that. I do know that uh, he's well-known for uh, mentioning some of the ways that if his theory were questioned or if it came into question in certain areas, it would completely break down uh, this notion of irreducible complexity uh, that Michael Behe has picked up on. Darwin says, you know, if it can be shown that there's an organ that, that couldn't have evolved by slight gradual modifications over long periods of time, that my theory would entirely break down, and, and Behe has shown that. Um, so there are problems with Darwinism. Uh, I'm not sure if he renounced what he said, but I do think that, that his writings have shown that he, uh, he himself had questions about it. Let's go now to Carrollton and talk with Jessica. Jessica, thank you for calling. Hello, are you over there? Yes, go ahead. Sorry, I have feedback. Anywho, um, I was just calling to say that this movie is amazing, and I really, really enjoyed it, and I've been telling all, everybody to go see it. I think that it's amazing that you guys have this um, this discussion because I was raised in a Christian home and I went to a Christian school, and I wasn't exposed to as much Darwinism as I suppose kids are nowadays. And so I just... I so really you got a real education, didn't you? Yeah. We're glad you're telling people about it. I, I think Penna pointed out that it's word of mouth that's going to spread this. And you know... 90-plus percent of Americans believe in some kind of a higher power. But uh, it sure seems to be the case that in the media, in entertainment, and in academia, that percentage is a lot lower, which would probably account for a lot of the bad reviews that, uh, that are out there. Joe Waddell, thank you so much for joining me today. I guess we need a little more democracy in the science field because uh, it seems like the scientific elite are controlling the debate and uh, the scientists who uh, love and serve the Lord or who just kind of wonder if there couldn't be maybe somebody up there who planned all of this, uh, they're not even getting to talk about it. Well, well I would applaud Ben Stein for what he's done. Thanks for having yeah, me on. Yeah, he's ben. done a great job. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go back to global warming in the next segment. You know, Al Gore once said that global warming is more of a threat than terrorism. Is it? And should we be changing our whole economy 
to deal with climate change. We're going to talk with Jay Richards from the Acton Institute right after this. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. It's not that easy being green. Having to spend each day the color of the leaves. Well, it's getting easier to be green because everybody wants us to be green. The global warming extremists are telling us that uh, if we don't get greener and really change our economy for a fix for global warming, uh, then catastrophe is ahead. Well, with us to discuss this is Jay Richards. He is a fellow and director of media at the Acton Institute. He's also a frequent contributor to Planet Gore on National Review Online. And, uh, Jay, thank you for joining us. Well, great to be with you, Penna. All right, it's Earth Day, Earth Week, and Earth Month, yes. uh, depending on who you're talking about. And uh, we're supposed to be green, and a lot of our listeners are green. They love to conserve and they think that is a biblical mandate. But uh, to use global warming as the rationale is the question that we have. What do you think about it? Well, I I think you're exactly right. These are two different issues. I I mean, the Judeo-Christian, the scriptures, the Bible clearly says human beings are created as stewards. We bear God's image in us, and as God is sovereign over the world, he puts us uh, in his stead as stewards over the creation, and we're held responsible for how we treat it. So there's no doubt about that, and there's no doubt about the kind of general... Uh, you know, goodness of concern for conservation and for the environment. The, the problem is the global warming issue uh, mixes together all these d- different kind of scientific and, frankly, f- philosophical and theological claims into a great big mess so that we deal with this, uh, what I frankly think is kind of the reigning intellectual orthodoxy, and it's very difficult to challenge any part of the official orthodoxy without getting called something like a Holocaust denier. Well, there are so many scientists out there who question, either they question global warming or they think global warming is a fact, but not as dire as uh, others are saying it is, right. or that we can't, what, you know, they kind of question what we can do mm-hmm. to fix it. But yeah. those people are being silenced in a sense. No, they are. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. I remember a year ago, the Boston Globe columnist Ellen Goodman said that anyone that uh, denies that global warming exists is essentially, a, you know, like a Holocaust denier. Now, when somebody's compared to a Holocaust denier to Nazis, you know something is wrong. I mean, the truth of the matter is there's kind of general agreement that, yeah, we look, it looks like we're in a warming trend. If you look at the average global temperatures over the last century or century and a half, we're in a slight warming trend. It's no big deal. The real question is whether we're the main cause of it and whether it's bad or not, you know. But the, the, the people on the other side, unfortunately, claim not only is the Earth warming, we're causing it, and it's going to be catastrophic if we don't do something drastic and draconian about it in the next few years. All right. Well, of course, Al uh, Gore is at the forefront of this. And we've talked on this program before about some of the uh, things in his movie that were uh, stretching the truth a bit, <laughs> I guess you could right. say. But now um, I, I read a piece today on CNS News talking about a deal that Gore made with a, a movie ad agency. And uh, they're airing ads, I guess, at 7,000 movie theaters across the nation wow. about, well, they're called The Sky is Falling, and they're this Go Green video package. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there's energy-saving tips and, uh, like, pushing the lawnmower instead of using, you know, your right. other kind of lawnmower and things like that. Hard and breathe out a lot of carbon dioxide. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, is this all, this kind of stuff... Is this going to help save the planet? 
I don't, frankly, the vast majority of this stuff, uh, you know, like local things that you can do, yeah, of course it makes sense to conserve energy. I mean, there's perfectly good economic reasons for not driving a gas guzzler if you don't need to. If you're a mom with five kids, it makes sense that you're going to drive a minivan. I don't need to do it because I don't drive kids around. Uh, so there's reasons for, do, for conserving, but I, most of these things are symbolic at best. And when you deal with sort of global energy policy, so you're giving power to the federal government or to the U.N. or some transnational organization, frankly, I think that's not only going to not help. I think it's, it's going to hurt things in the long run. It's going to drive up the prices of energy for those that can least afford it. And it's certainly going to do nothing whatsoever about global warming. Jay Richards of the Acton Institute is with us. And, Jay, uh, you bring up an important point, and this is the biggest, uh, I think, thing we ought to be concerned about, is that environmental issues are often used as ways to get control of economies mm-hmm. from an international level. And uh, they end up being very expensive, usually the fix does. And that's what could happen here. And I noticed in uh, Newsweek a couple weeks ago there was a green issue. And an article in there was just the three of us. And it talked about the three candidates for president right now Mm -hmm. and who is going to be best on the environment. Who do you think would be uh, most dangerous to the environment or to the economy? (laughs) Yeah, to the economy. I I would think that it's a close tie between, uh, frankly, Hillary Clinton and uh, uh, Barack Obama. Uh, I, I don't think, frankly, that they are going to be any more enthusiastic to enact draconian energy policies than anyone else, simply because it would be disastrous to the American economy and they'd be one-term presidents. I mean, this is why we failed to ratify the Kyoto Protocol, the treaty, when uh, Clinton was in the White House and Al Gore was the vice president. We, we failed to do it. I think the vote in the Senate was something like 95 to 1. Uh, it would not only have done absolutely nothing to, to you know, slow the rate of global warming, uh, whatever there might be in the next 50 years, but it would have been an absolute economic disaster. And I frankly think that is going to protect us from too much extremism, regardless of who ends up in the White House in, in 08. Really? Okay. Well, that's uh, that's good to hear. I mean, at least we have some optimism there. And I know that the activists are pretty disappointed with the Congress so far. They thought when the Democrats took over that they might get some more green legislation. Uh, but I do have a question about one piece of legislation that I think uh, possibly could pass, and that is uh, this carbon, this sort of CO2 limits right. that everybody's talking about. Can you explain that and what the danger could be with Absolutely. regard to doing that? I mean, the truth of the matter is that carbon dioxide emissions is just a natural outgrowth of almost every form of inter- energy consumption that we undertake, except something like nuclear wind power. Uh, and so anything that caps the amount of CO2 that we release into the atmosphere is going to uh, directly or indirectly drive up the cost of most energy that most people use. And that's not going to affect those of us in the sort of upper incomes on the upper income strata, but it will affect the people at the bottom rung of the economic ladder for whom, you know, the cost of energy is a large percentage of their overall income. And so anything that, that restricts CO2 emissions, at least at this point, till we change to some kind of other energy economy, is basically going to drive up the cost of energy and it's going to be a huge drag on the economy. Okay, there's also this uh, whole idea of using biofuels mm-hmm. uh, to reduce global warming, and we've been doing this. Uh, but in a sense now, uh, folks are saying, economists are saying that this is responsible for a dramatic rise in food prices. And as you said, you know, some people aren't as much affected by that, mm-hmm. but there's a certain sector of the economy that is. No, absolutely. I mean, basically, depending on the type of biofuel, that, that you know, you, you, the type of material that you're using is the raw material. If you're using corn, of course, corn uh, fields that are being transformed into 
fuel are not going to be used for making things like tortillas. So it's going to drive up the price of corn. The little-known secret, though, is that most of these types of fuel aren't even actually that much better in terms of CO2 emissions in the release of greenhouse gases. We put a lot of energy into producing this stuff. Most of it only makes economic sense because there's this artificial government subsidy that uh, artificially deflates the actual price. And so all these things, if you look at the details, I mean, they either don't help the situation or they end up being a worse alternative than the thing we've got right now, which is gasoline. All right. Now, you know, some people, though, aren't going to starve because of food prices because they're way too rich, although there's one guy that probably could afford a little starvation, Al Gore. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I just really, Jay kind of want you to weigh in on how Al Gore is getting away with being the guru of global warming because, you know, there have been reports out there about his own home, his own carbon footprint, and yet people almost see him as this god of global warming. And then uh, when some of his movies and some of his claims in his movie are are, uh, proven to be dishonest, I mean, he still commands this tremendous respect, and I, I guess it's just a phenomenon that I don't understand. Well, frankly, I think that the, the global warming issue sort of transcends rationality at this point. It's an intellectual orthodoxy. It's a sort of current fashion, and Gore becomes, has become the sort of symbol for this. And so, of course, he has no scientific expertise. He doesn't even seem to be especially clear thinker, but he is clearly a true believer. He believes this stuff, despite the fact that his carbon footprint, you know, of his house is about 25 times the average person in Tennessee, uh, he nevertheless seems to be a true believer, and, there, you know, there's something sort of attractive about that. And the global warming issue is in some ways a sort of surrogate spirituality for people. It's like a quasi-religion uh, for those people that don't uh, or no longer worship the traditional object of religious belief. Uh, he has said before, and other environmentalists uh, intimate this also, that people are the problem. And, Jay, I think that's a big danger of all this. Well, that is. And, and that's sort of the ugly underbelly of the radical environmental movement, is that human beings aren't considered a part of creation, or not even, especially not considered sort of God's crowning achievement as the stewards of creation. We're parasites, or like a virus, a cancer on the planet. Uh, and you hear a lot of radical folks in the environmental movement say the planet would be a lot better off without us, and even sort of wishing longingly that a large segment of the population uh, would die, or at least people would quit reproducing. And that's sort of the dark underbelly of the environmental movement that I think religious people have to take seriously. All right, Jay Richards is with me. Jay, you're making just way too much sense here. Uh, so we want to people to know where they can read your blog. And sure. I think it's at Planet Gore. Could you tell us about it? Absolutely. You can go to uh, just nationalreview.com and then go to the Planet Gore blog, or you can read our stuff at, at acton.org at the Acton Institute website. All right, Jay, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it, uh, and, and happy Earth Day. Thanks, Ben. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it's Earth Day, and... Uh, We just needed to bring some common sense to you, and we hope that uh, you have a happy Earth Day, too. I want to mention tomorrow, uh, David Horowitz is going to join us. And, of course, he is sort of a former radical, uh, but now he's got an, uh, now he's a conservative, and he talks a lot of common sense. He's a smart guy, and he's going to analyze the issues that will define this election. So that would be a lot of fun. Also, I want to mention uh, something that's coming up next week. It's called the Day of Silence, and uh, you may have heard about this. But this is the day that uh, homosexuals and those who uh, want to express their solidarity with the homosexual agenda will remain silent in the public schools. Students are encouraged by the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network, GLSEN, just not to talk during the day on Friday, April 25th. Uh, What would you do? What will you do if you have a child 
in the public schools where they are commemorating this day. Will you keep that child home? Is that a good idea? Do you think teachers ought to go along with this? A lot of them are being pressured to do so. Give us a call. We'll talk about the Day of Silence in the next segment, 800-881-9270. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. There are some folks who, coming out of the church, uh, have you know, elevated one line in Romans uh, above the Sermon on the Mount. Well, that's Barack Obama, and uh, here what, here's what it says in Romans 1, uh, as a matter of fact, <laughs> uh, when we're talking about uh, homosexuality, and uh, Paul is saying that in verse 24, that God gave them up to uncleanness and the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Very descriptive here, I think. Who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and the worshipped and, ser- and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. I mean, Barack Obama denies scriptures like this when he talks about uh, homosexuality being... I guess, okay for a Christian. Certainly not just one verse. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we want to know what you think about this day of silence. Public schools, and this has been going on for several years, uh, in April there's a day at the schools, middle schools, junior highs, and high schools, to promote uh, tolerance for homosexuality. It's in the name of stopping bullying in the schools. Uh, but I don't, uh, and in some homosexuals, I'm sure, are bullied. Kids are bullied for a lot of things. But for students to remain silent and be allowed to do so without repercussions all day, uh, to me, is amazing. Yet many schools are buying into the agenda and uh, sympathizing, uh, sort of acting in solidarity with the homosexual agenda. So what should a parent do? Keep your child home that day? There is another solution. Uh, some organizations are actually pushing a day of silence. Uh, I'm sorry, a day of truth. The next week, Monday, April 28th, the day of uh, silence is Friday, the 25th of April. And so uh, that Monday, 
uh, students are encouraged to participate in something else, sort of to counteract that. It's called the Day of Truth. And uh, they're joining together and groups like Concerned Women for America, Alliance Defense Fund, and um, keeping their kids home from the Day of Silence, and then uh, really sending their kids to a to school on the Day of Truth with sort of a non-disruptive message, uh, messages uh, that uh, purity and abstinence, spiritual, emotional, and physical well-being of children is promoted in that way, and not by liberal activists and elitist educators with this destructive political agenda. I think it's pretty sad uh, that this Day of Silence has been uh, going on for so many years and sort of growing throughout the years. Now, it's it's true that bullying and harassment against anyone should not be tolerated really for any reason, and schools should and do clamp down on such things. But I think this Day of Silence has less to do with bullying and a lot more to do with just simple propaganda. Matt Barber, who is uh, with Concerned Women for America, said that during this day of silence, children and teachers are actually encouraged to disrupt the school day by refusing to speak uh, all day in this show of support for uh, gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender students. And uh, kids are also taught that the biblical truth that holds human sexuality as a gift from God and is shared between husband and wife in the bonds of marriage is actually homophobic, hateful, and discriminatory. And so CWA and other groups are encouraging kids to somehow, on that Monday after the Day of Silence, to sort of uphold marriage and uphold abstinence until marriage and those types of messages uh, instead of the message of solidarity with homosexuality. We'd love to hear from you on this uh, if you want to give us a call. Our schools, says Matt Barber, are supposed to be places of learning, not places of political indoctrination. He says it's the height of impropriety and cynicism for gay activists and school officials uh, to use these children who are good-hearted but, in a sense here, misguided as pawns. It's really an attempt to further a deceptive agenda, and it's pure propaganda, and uh, it really shouldn't happen. You know, when you think about it, can you imagine school officials promoting tolerance for smoking or drinking among children? Or what about a day uh, just saying, embrace who you are, pick up that pipe and, you know, give it a smoke? (laughs) I mean, this is not something that would happen in the public schools, but homosexuality is much more harmful than smoking. Uh, As a matter of fact, the medical facts are there, and it's really a reckless agenda when you try to promote this tolerance for homosexuality. It's not safe. In fact, it's been proven that there are many diseases that are associated with uh, homosexuality. But instead, the gay lifestyle is aggressively and vigorously promoted in our public schools. And not only does it harm uh, students physically, people that are involved in it physically, it's also very much of a spiritual harm to people that are engaged in this. Uh, Sexually confused children certainly do exist in the public schools, and even in uh, younger ages, there are kids who suffer from gender identity disorder, also same-sex attractions. But instead of being told to embrace who they are and being encouraged in that, which is what really the public schools have been about for the last decade or so, uh, they should be given opportunities for help, for counseling, uh, to find a way out of this. There's lots of counseling available for that. Um, 
Instead, the whole idea and what's being taught in the schools is always use a condom. And, of course, as we've seen, that doesn't even always stop the spread of some of these diseases, even HIV-AIDS. So the pro-homosexual indoctrination of children continues in the public school, and next week is uh, a day that this is happening. I just wanted you to be aware of it because, ladies and gentlemen, uh, your kids are going to be exposed to this. I know when my uh, boys were in high school, they thought it was disgusting, and uh, they basically went to school, and the teachers were tolerant of these young people being quiet during the day. And, uh, you know, most kids don't really want to confront their peers on something like this. But I think it would be a good idea. You know, maybe it it might be an opportunity for a young person to share the gospel with someone who's caught in this type of sin. Certainly, if um, students are involved in harassing homosexuals or bullying them, uh, they should stop doing that. That should be stopped, and it shouldn't be tolerated. But I think the worst danger for our students in, in our schools is this whole idea of pushing this agenda uh, that homosexuality, lesbianism, bisexuality, and even uh, this whole transgender idea uh, is something that needs to be encouraged and tolerated. They may be doing that in the state of California, but ladies and gentlemen, we're in the state of Texas. And, uh, you know, we need to know better. We're in the, in the buckle of the Bible belt, and I think uh, we need to talk some common sense into our public school administrations. So maybe there's a room for a little bravery here on the part of parents, uh, talking to teachers, talking to administrators who are involved in this. In fact, you might even ask your school principal in your neighborhood uh, if this is going on, if they are going to allow this. And you could give them, you know, maybe a, a dose of common sense on this. Well, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget that David Horowitz will be joining us tomorrow. And again, uh, happy Earth Day. Have fun being green, and we'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m., for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.